Hello, welcome to the Miles Final Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today, very exciting, we're reviewing and just having a general talk about the movie The Suicide Squad. We're getting into the uh, nitty-gritty. We're getting stuck Yeah, in. the 2021 version, not the other version. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, although we're probably going to mention it and talk about comparisons, but, mm-hmm. you know, primarily The Suicide Squad 2021. Um, very exciting. Uh before that, though, I just want to mention that we do have an Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast, where we do podcasts during the week and, and reviews during the week. Uh, so go follow us there if you, if you would like and give us a follow, give us a message or share us with your friends. Um, do the same thing over on Twitter at Cinema Marvelous. Uh, post, and, post the same things over there. Uh, feel free to give us a like or follow or share with your friends or even review the podcast service that you're saying on right now if you want to. Uh, be very helpful. Um but yeah, do you want to get straight into this this movie that exists? <laughs> um, yeah, um, so brief summary, significantly better than the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I should go without saying, and in all honesty, who thought it would be worse? I Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it could ever be worse. I think it could be surprisingly not as good as we thought it could be, but I never thought it was going to be worse. <laughs> yeah, even if this was disappointing, it wouldn't be. Hmm. It wouldn't be that. Yeah, it wouldn't be a just a forever interesting movie for all the wrong reasons type of deal. <laughs> uh, the two thousand sixteen mm-hmm. version. Um, but yeah, do you want to get into your general consensus? Yeah, so much more consensus. I thought it's um, it's very James Gunn. Mm-hmm. It's everything that it promised to be. Yeah, and from the trailers and from what was what was talked up, I feel like you know, I think they described it as a seventies war film comedy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like that, that does sum it up really well. Um, I think the action, action, great characters are entertaining. Co- comedy mostly lands. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, that that that's good. You know, last thing you want <laughs> the wet fart of a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and it also has. I feel like there's quite a lot of layers of sort of not necessarily yeah, subtext, but. Just stuff to dig into, like significant meanings and stuff like that, and I think that's that's sort of one of the film's greatest strengths. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, the stuff that it doesn't necessarily make obvious, but when you think about it, it's sort of like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> neat. <laughs> I think there's it's a nice. lot of that going on here. Um, in typical sort of James Gunn style, you have that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm calling it a trademark of his now, but you have that mm-hmm. that moment that right in the midst of the final act. It's usually like one line or something, or mm-hmm. one thing that happens, which just kind of gives you an emotional kick. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was Quill seeing his mum in the first Guardians. It's Quill and Yondu in the second one. And this one definitely has that moment, Sam. I'm mm. gonna be on guard next time I see a James Gunn film for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to prepare myself. Um, as soon as mm-hmm. as soon as the fight kicks off, I'm gonna be near ready for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean. So yeah, I think it's. It also looks great for comic book film. I mean, people have said a lot about um, the look of comic book film, especially MCU films. Mm. I don't think you can have that complaint about this. It's colourful. No. It's it's shot really well. The action scenes are are great. Mm. I I can't really have any complaints in that regard. And I just think it's it's the perfect R-rated blockbuster. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, um, it definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it delivers on the promise of what James Gunn promoted it as for so long. Um, 
Um, it's and I think as well, like my biggest fear about this movie when before it actually came out was I was really worried that it was going to be kind of too much James Gunn, but mm-hmm. not enough of what I actually like about James Gunn. Like, I think it might have been too much like shock and awe and too much, you know, there's too much like uh, swearing and all that. I don't even mean that in the, like a uh, swearing is bad. I just mean it, I didn't want to lose the heart of James Gunn, how he can usually inter- interweave that in his stories pretty well. Because yeah. um, Guardians of the Galaxy, characters don't really swear or anything, but it is very, you know, it is not, it's very kind of, it's not heartfelt and it's not like out and out sincere characters talk about their emotions the entire way through. It's very much this film without the swearing <laughs> mm. until you kind of build to that like crescendo, as you say, in like the final act, I guess. Yeah, um, I, think, I think I get that concern because obviously with the, the Guardians films, you always have that in the back of your mind of, well, Marvel would have reined him in if he went too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I don't think, I think thankfully that is not the case yet. I think this is, a wonderful film by James Gunn. I think that the word wonderful is not just like, oh, it's pretty good. I mean, like, it is actually heartwarmingly wonderful in many mm. ways. Um, I think, you know, it's it's a film that has that thing where you're not... You, there is a main character, but it's not like the film is defined by that one arc, the central mm. arc. It's it's all over the place in the, in the best way possible, if that makes sense. It's not, it's not a messy film. It's just very large and mm. very just and in that terms in terms of the pace of the movie and the kind of the way it kind of goes from scene to scene i think it's very well edited um mm. uh, i think it does also, it also does quite some interesting things where we kind of like not to spoil it but but we do kind of leave the main plot for a bit which is unusual i would say for a mm. blockbuster um and i think that's just very kind of charming and weird and wonderful that that happened um and yeah i just think this is if comic books are going to like be the biggest thing in the world and they're always going to get at least a billion dollars if they're well about covid around um um then i think this is the way forward like just let directors just make it their own even if it's not perfect just like let them do it their way um and this is absolutely james gunn's way of doing it (laughs) um i wanted to say as well if you're out there and you kind of didn't like you really hate the first movie and therefore do not want to go see this movie. This is not the same thing. It's very <laughs> like different. the same concept, but even then it's just not I would say they're barely comparable in terms of tone even. Um mm. and yeah. first first what? First fifteen minutes? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you can get the picture that it's very different. Yeah, very different. <laughs> um I mean for I mean a great example is when the actual title card of this movie appears. Mm-hmm. And I think you know it's a good movie when this is a good movie when this happens. When the title card appears and that alone makes you really, really happy. Because <laughs> um, it comes in at like 10 minutes in maybe, but it's just so rewarding and so lovely to see it. And it's it builds so well to that title card. And comparing mm-hmm. that to the first movie where the title card comes after about four different pop songs and some really weird exposition scenes that go nowhere <laughs> and just make me feel a bit drained. <laughs> um, yeah, this is very much a different film. I highly, highly recommend it um, to literally anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what do you want to do? I go into spoilers next, or do you yeah. want to? Let's dive into spoilers. Okay. Do you want to talk about your favorite kind of moment, maybe? 
Oh, favourite moment? I think there's a lot to pick from. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of good. However, one thing that I've sort of been really eager to talk about is how this film handles Harley. Mm, yeah. Because I think this is kind of what you were saying earlier, when you, or just before, when you said that we kind of leave the main plot for a bit. Yeah, we kind of don't see the squad for 10 minutes, maybe. Mm, we, we spend we spend the good point with, with Harley, where we have sort of this montage as she gets to know the dictator of this small South American country, or South American mm-hmm. island, or no, Central American, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, the dictator of this island, and it's kind of like a really... It doesn't. It doesn't feel too much of a departure, though. No, it, it kind of feels natural. I feel like um, knowing sort of Harley and how random she is, it kind of perfectly fits well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even if it was random, I think I'd accept it for what that scene gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, last week on the podcast, this is the scene I was talking about when I said it left me thinking for a good while. <laughs> it left me just, just, just with, just with the sense of. Harley's got justice. Yeah. <laughs> in a weird way. So she is the scene where she she uh, has a romantic evening with, with the dictator of the island and then all of a sudden he delivers his villain monologue about how, mm-hmm. how he took over the island and now he, he'll do to his enemies what they did to his family and the people of the island. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just turns around and Harley just shoots him. Yep. Which... <laughs> Is honestly, it made me jump so much in the cinema. Me too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I did not see it coming at all, and it's sort of like a surprise of oh shit, and the guy starts bleeding. It and there are a lot of gory kills in this film, but for some reason, this one sticks out to me as there's so much blood <laughs> from one gunshot wound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so she she goes on, goes on to say that. You know, she's she she's she's learnt to notice the red flags and people murdering children is kind of a red flag for her. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a, a perfect Harley monologue. It's perfectly delivered by Margot Robbie, who I've said it a million times, I'll say it again, she is iconic in this role. She is yeah. one of the best comic book castings ever. Yeah. And she's it, she's one of the best in the manner that she's completely made this her own. Mm-hmm. Like this just Especially this scene. Think about this and where Harley, the actual character, before Margot Robbie, where that character started. As <laughs> yeah. just a henchman for, for Joker. And mm-hmm. just a, hench, a henchman who was just infatuated with the Joker and was just abused mentally and physically for so mm-hmm. long. And to have the way that... And then you sort of have the out-of-universe out of thing where how overly sexualized she was in the first Suicide Squad film... And how just mistreated and exploited she was, mm. both Margot Robbie and the character. Yeah. And then to have this moment of, we're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Just this absolute <laughs> blunt moment where she's learned she she's not going to be that anymore. She's not going to be abused by people in the the powerful game. She's seen through, seen through the the sort of the uh, the fake the fake persona that men have put on for her in the past. Mm-hmm. And just, despite sort of the brutal manner of the fact she just shot on an armed man, <laughs> I just can't help but sit there with kind of like a smile on my face and thinking, you know what, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Harley. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, because I, 
Because I stayed away from all the like promotional material as much as I mm. could. Like I watched the DC fandom trailer and then the next trailer, but I literally never saw a TV spot or a different trailer or anything like that. I always I didn't. I stayed away from them as well. Yeah, I, I like I had no idea that at any point Harley was going to have some sort of romantic interest in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that guy pops up, I I, I wasn't like off putted, but I was like, oh, we're doing this in the corner, I guess. And then mm-hmm. the sequence keeps on going and going, and it's not stopping, and we're not going back to the squad. Um, and I'm like, oh, we're just going to stay here for a while. Um, I guess this guy's probably going to be the villain villain. Um, and then when you deliver that, like, kind of like, it's not really a twist, because you do kind of expect it, but it's a twist for Harley, especially. Um, where it's like, oh, I, you know, the plan is you're like a political strategy, essentially, because mm. this this little island really loves you for being against the American oppression, even though Harley doesn't really care about any of that. <laughs> it sort of happens by chance, I guess. Um, and... I, yeah, like, I, like you said, I was completely shocked when he shot him, but I quickly settled into the idea of what he was saying very easily, mm-hmm. where he was like, you know, there's been some red flags. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she kind of... And I think the music is really... It plays it in a very odd way, where the music is kind of haunting and kind of dark and brooding, but it's her words are kind of ringing true. And mm. it's horrific for the guy, but... Literally from this moment forward, Harley is on just a psychopathic, like, mayhem-filled, like, brawl through the entire complex that he's, like, inside mm-hmm. of. And it's insanely fun. <laughs> and it's just so rewarding to see that character go from almost being put into another 2016 Suicide Squad kind of situation, potentially, and to come out of it with literally killing people killing people with a javelin with flowers coming out of them um and you know essentially in the end defeating the big villain the starfish <laughs> at mm. the end and she um, doesn't need to be rescued which i feel like quite quite a subtle thing that's quite quite good yeah definitely um I, yeah i think i think we're going to mention this movie a lot but like the 2016 version it's just it makes a lot of different choices of that character that do not work. And mm-hmm. I do think for a very short while, at least until Birds of Prey and then this film, hopefully, I do think it kind of tarnished her image in a bit because it made her simultaneously more popular in mainstream kind of audiences. Mm-hmm. But the idea of her was the cheerleader outfit and mm. the like loving the Joker even though he's abusive sort of thing. Um, yeah. And there was no real arc there, and it, the ending will always irritate me, where she just hugs the Joker, and that's the last shot of the film, and it's just like, oh, so this meant nothing then. <laughs> um, yeah, just a, it's just nice to see how far she's came. Um, yeah. But, it is, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with that. Um, it'll always be interesting to see, because they kind of, they avoided recasting Deadshot for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've seen various conflicting things, but either way, they, they didn't recast Deadshot. And the main logic that people seem to be going with is that because they wanted Will Smith originally, but he couldn't do it, and they wanted to leave it open. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do kind of wonder um, if we'll see him again and what what his reaction would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because he sort of parted with her very much in that in that point, and it'd be good maybe to see. And sort of regroup because he's the only sort of major character from that first Suicide Squad film that isn't here. I mean, you could yeah. say Killer Croc, but 
Let's be honest, he wasn't really a major part of that film. (laughs) Katana. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it it would be interesting to see see how they'd work that in with the future. Also, Mm. I did find it really interesting how you can almost sort of see that that could originally be Deadshot in this film. Oh, yeah, easily, yeah. With Bloodsport, because it's about Bloodsport and his daughter, and we, we, we know that Deadshot has a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm glad we got a fresh character. Yeah. I'm and glad I, that we only really had a few people carry over from the first film. Yeah. I mean, we, we literally had... I'm pleased to say we did have all the good things from that first film, of which <laughs> there's probably only four... Um, those four <laughs> things are Margot Robbie, John Kinnaman, Jai Courtney, and Viola Davis. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm glad those things carried over because, despite the absolute mess that first film is, those mm. were four pretty great castings. Yeah, and, and I, it, it feels, I think it feels, it, I've said this before, but it feels weird to be saying that about Jai Courtney. But here mm-hmm. we are. <laughs> yeah, he. I don't know what it is about him in that role, but he kills it, and I think. Mm. Like we were saying over texting like earlier that it's it generally was quite sad to see him go because I was kind of hoping that he would survive and he mm. very much does not survive <laughs> um, very early on. And I just it was, think it's like kind of... With him not being in the marketing, I was kind of assuming that maybe they'd injure him. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But no, but he, he definitely dead. Definitely dead. And I think, I think it's a miracle as well and it's kind of really funny that his five minutes of screen time in this film, he's, like, number one, I would say it's just better, even though I liked him in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, um, he uses his boomerang way more <laughs> 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 than the entire last film. Um, yeah, and I think, I, do, I was sad to see him go, but I think it's just, you know, it's uh, just tells us that that was good casting, which is a shame that his actual movie was that movie and not this movie. Mm-hmm. Um but how did you feel about the opening kind of beach scene and all of that stuff? <laughs> I, I I thought it was really really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I kind of I kind of wonder what it would be because we all talk about this film and all the trailers. You kind of knew that that was the Cannon Fodder Squad. Yeah, yeah. You kind of knew they were all going to die, and they made a point of saying, "Well, they've cast all these really unknown." weird supervillains and what have you mm-hmm. so you kind of knew I'd really like to have gone into it not knowing that kind of yeah would be um, nice. because also the first character we meet is, is Savant mm-hmm. which is, is my because um, I, I went to see it with my mum mm-hmm. and so he was introduced and, um, and she said to me oh that's that's that was Yondu <laughs> yeah and um, and the suit, when, when it went, and when, and when, when, it, when he died, she sort of turned to me and went, oh, so they've killed him off. <laughs> like, it was a genuine surprise from someone who hadn't actually seen the trailers and recognised a few of the actors. Yeah. And, and I kind of wonder maybe what that would have been like, but the scene we do get is great. I think they nail the comedy aspect, and mm-hmm. it captures sort of the essence of what the Suicide Squad is. Yeah, yeah, significantly better than the first film. Because all we got in the first film was S- Slipknot was his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just stupidly tries to escape, and Rick Flag blows his head off. 
And I love how little they try to even make it seem like he's going to be a real character in the movie because in the first uh, version of the movie, um, he appears and unlike every every other character we see in that movie, he doesn't have one of those like uh, title card things um, mm-hmm. when they go through his entire like pros and cons and backstory and all that in this one big comic book panel kind of shot, which is an idea I did actually quite enjoy from the first movie. Um, but they don't they don't do that that character. He has maybe two lines of dialogue, and he gets killed immediately, and everyone just moves on and doesn't really care about that idea at all. And then, you know, it's a big blue light in the sky sort of deal again. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film, I was very, very happy, because I didn't, I didn't really think about it until the movie actually started, which was, is this movie going to have to re-explain the concept of the Suicide Squad again to me? Mm-hmm. In that, And in the very annoying way the first movie did, where it was like, so this is why we're doing this. And this week, in case you didn't get it, here's another scene in a boardroom about why we're doing this. And then we're going to explain this again to the actual members of the team in front of you, just so you get it, just so you get the idea of what, of what this movie is. Um, whereas this movie kind of has a walk and talk, like exposition sort of deal. Mm-hmm. And they kind of quickly go through it, and then they just show you everyone die. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then the title card happens, which yeah. is incredible. Um, but yeah, I t- I love the opening mm. scene. That that sort of scene where Amanda Waller goes through sort of the rules. Mm. It reminded me a bit because I also um, I'm sort of watching through the MCU films. I watched Iron Man two yesterday. Yeah. It kind of reminded me if you know when Don Cheadle walks in as um, the roadie <laughs> and he literally go- yeah. he literally goes, "It's me. I'm here. Let's move on." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of that Amanda Waller scene kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know the drill. Ten years after you said, we'll blow your head off if you don't do it, let's move on. (laughs) Here's a button. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think I did it really well. It's just sort of, it's a really great way to do it. Um, I felt the comedy is at its best in that section as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with Weasel. (laughs) Oh yeah, Weasel is, for just like a short period of time, he is, he stands out quite a bit in the film. Mm. (laughs) yeah. And yeah. um, also, um, I, I watched a video the other day and someone said, you know the, the Steve Aji character? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah. a video. Someone said he was the warden of, of the prison. Yeah. Which the... kind of blew my mind. Oh, right. The... that guy's the warden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that forgot to check whether Weasel could swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the warden of a maximum security prison. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think this prison, in a lot of ways, is kind of more relaxed than the last one. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of got the sense that this one wasn't going to be, like, full-on abusive, like, whatever the last movie was mm. about. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like a prison, as opposed to just putting a Del Diablo in a tube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because the last movie was, it had a lot of just, they're getting abused in a prison, and flashbacks to wibbly wibbly colours about Harley Quinn getting drugged or whatever and it's just like yeah okay we get it <laughs> um, but yeah this movie feels in in some ways a lot more relaxed all around like I would even say Amanda Waller who I think is again great casting and very well used in this film mm-hmm. like even the people that are behind the office have an arc in this film which surprised me mm-hmm. um, um, Amanda Waller um, the character seems even i would say like more relaxed as well mm. like she seems a bit less 
a bit less like I'm the devil and I'm gonna make you do what you don't want to do and all that, which is more like, ah, uh, come on, Steve, press the button. <laughs> this is like this is more like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I quite enjoyed. Um, yeah, yeah I think it feels like a more like a, she's definitely more adjusted assertive as before, but she also mm-hmm. just seems more tired. Yeah, more tired and more used to it. Um, and <laughs> yeah, because I remember in the first movie, and one of my friends said this. Um, all she says in the first movie is like one-liners, like evil one-liners. Mm-hmm. She's like, "I put him in a hole and I threw away the hole," and like, it's just stuff like that the entire way through the movie for that character. Um, and this movie, she actually, you know, has conversations, <laughs> which is nice. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, from this, where do you? What's your opinion on just like the general, the main squad that we spend our time with in this film? I I really love them. I I didn't dislike a single one of them. Same. Even yeah. even John Cena as Peacemaker, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> it's the role that was meant for him. <laughs> yeah. If he's not doing his wrestling, that that's it. I feel like I I don't think I'm ever gonna love him the same way like I love Margot Robbie as Harley or Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But I think it could be up there. I think he could be doing this role for a long time. Yeah, I think he just... He naturally, from the get-go, suits this role. Mm. <laughs> Very and well. he also... He also handles the more dramatic parts really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he does, there, yeah. There, There's bits which rely on... Again, I'm, I'm, I don't know if this is the technical term. This is what I'm going to call it. It just relies on face acting. <laughs> yeah, I know what like, you mean. Yeah. Um, sort of... During his sort of climactic confrontations with, with Rick and, and Bloodsport, there's a lot of just his face and mm-hmm. him acting with his face, and I think he carries yeah. that really well. A lot of eye acting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know people are going to listen to this thing and be mad and think that's pathetic, but trust me, it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. You, you, yeah. you notice it with certain actors. Daisy Ridley is another one that's really great at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so. I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed the whole squad, and I think the main squad, like the main group we get in the final confrontation with Starro, mm. I think their arcs work so, so well to make mm-hmm. like one overall massive arc, <laughs> <I suppose. laughs> um, which is, is something I always love in, in TV shows and in films where you can feel that everything is pulling in the same direction to this one aim. Like, the film or, or TV show, or whatever, has got something it wants to say. It's got a story to tell, and everything's working to do that. Yeah. And for me, sort of the main arc, even Harley, Harley, Polka Dot Man, Bloodsport, King Shark, especially Ratcatcher Two. I've said in my review, and I say it now, she is the heart of the film. Mhm. Yeah. Um, she might be my favourite part of the film, which mm. I, I I have difficulty saying. So I don't know if that's my favourite part or Harley. <laughs> I yeah. think you know Ratcatcher kind of steals the show where a little limelight away from the main the main thing going in, which was you know Harley Quinn's the star, but Ratcatcher has sort of stolen the spotlight for me. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it does. <clears throat> sorry, everything definitely feels like it's pulling in the uh, in the same direction, and it's kind of similar in a way to the first Guardians film in that it's a group of, of rejects coming together to do something good. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like this naturally, it feels. Again, I love the first Guardians film, and this is there's no way of criticism of that. But I feel like this definitely is more geared to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like it achieves it. It achieves it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, definitely feels good to be different. And it definitely handles, it handles an ensemble superbly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think of the main group? Uh, I love them across the board. I think. Um, I totally agree with you that Ratcatcher was definitely a standout for me. Um, and I think she handles this the role very well because I think it could easily become either two because she's clearly meant to be the the daughter figure of Bloodsport as mm. the team goes. Um, and I think sometimes I can make a very kind of not really a character with agency can be kind of like a character you need to save maybe um, mm. but in that never really happens with the character and I feel like there's this with the actress I feel like there's this really strong kind of she is confident even though she's always complaining and always kind of not complaining but always tired and all that sort of stuff mm. um, and like you know like quote unquote millennials <laughs> that sort of idea um, <laughs> and I just like the idea that she is this mix between the daughter figure kind of for Bloodsport to learn to kind of love and save and at the same time there's also this character who is saving and loving Bloodsport in the process because he just has a natural kind of empathy for everyone Uh, that scene with King Shark for example is I think is a really great scene that I did I think I saw it coming but I didn't really know how it was going to end because I wasn't sure what the tone of the movie was going to be like I couldn't Mm -hmm. tell that once you when they shake hands, um, a part of my brain went, "Is King Shark going to rip her arm off?" I and thought that as well. Yeah, because like the movie set up to so much gore and so much surprise, kind of shocking stuff that I was thinking, "Is that what the scene is going to be?" And that's going to be her gone. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just I thought that character thankfully stayed around and was the beating heart of the movie, and I think her, you know, this symbolic kind of idea of the rat being important mm. and kind of a stand-in for the actual team is yeah. a very good idea and I think it kind of I can't help but keep on thinking about this as like a, a very weird Henry Murray like memory from the past um, I had like this very weird memory of playing the game Batman Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. um, and you're in a vent and you scan this you know this this thing there and it says oh this is the the equipment of the rat catcher Mm-hmm. Um, and it has this little, this little bio and you read it and you go through the, the tapes and like, oh, the rat catcher, that's just a silly character I had no idea about. I wonder if we'll ever see that in live action. Probably not. And the fact that not only rat catcher, but rat catcher 2 <laughs> um, is in this movie and we are calling her the heart of the movie. Mm. And a character who, again, is she in the say, I had no idea that I had no idea who Bloodsport was. Um, I had no idea who the thinker was. I had no idea who... I Honestly, before the 2016 film, I didn't have no idea who Rick Flagg was or anything like mm-hmm. that. I just knew... I knew I knew Deadshot, maybe. Um, and Harley Quinn. Um, but, you know, the fact that we now all know these characters and enjoy these characters and really want to see them grow and be better is kind of a meta wave of, of what... A meta kind of commentary on what James Gunn is writing his characters as in the movie mm-hmm. um, they go from being outcasts and not really thought about as actual villain villains and become you know the kind you know literally the leading people in their own movie um, it's it's kind of incredible that this happens and yeah I think 
I just yeah, I just really enjoy that idea, and I think it really works really well. Um, and like you, I think we've seen before about Taika Waititi. What what a guy! Just coming in and just delivering the the best line in the movie. We were there <laughs> um, for half a day. Yeah, probably. Probably had a coffee behind the set. Probably like <laughs> just you know killing it. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, I love King Shark. I think he had. I think he's definitely the you know the quote unquote Groot of the movie. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, how did you feel about Polka Dot Man's death? It, it was very sudden. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I wasn't particularly upset about it. Uh, yeah, I, I I felt the feeling of I should be upset, but I'm not. Mm. But not in a bad way. I, meant, I mean that as in, like, I should be upset the character was killed off in such a haphazard manner. But I wasn't that upset by it, maybe because the movie had done it so many times before. Yeah, so don't, <laughs> um, don't get attached. And also part of the fact that you feel like his arc's been completed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like in, in, in the fact that you know he feels he thinks he's a superhero, that's mm-hmm. that's done. Clear him off, and also, if he had survived, he would have been slightly overpowered for that fight. Oh yeah, he would have. Yeah, because <laughs> he just burns right through it. <laughs> um, so I understand sort of why he was killed, mm-hmm. and the sudden manner in which in, in which it happened. But I think it. I wasn't. I wasn't upset. It was weird because, like mm-hmm. you, I feel like I should be because it happened so suddenly. And yeah, but no, I I felt like I felt like it was fine. Because he's one of my favorite characters in the movie. Like he was from the get go, like a highlight for me in the movie, and he mm. still is. But there's something about his death where I was like, I feel like I should be annoyed, but I'm not. <laughs> and it's weird that this is happening. Mm. He's um, He's definitely the weirdest part of the film. Yeah, he's um, he's definitely sort of the the absolute out there, more, more extreme part of James Gunn. Yeah, and you know his his vision, his like mm. the way he sees the world is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> interesting is a perfect way of describing it. And I love how long they last those shots for. Mm. Like it's not yeah. it's like a, it's a flash. It's like you see them. And it's just like, oh, we're gonna hang on this shot for a while. <laughs> yeah, we're, gonna, we're gonna linger. We're gonna let you take this in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it's a sign that you know I've completely committed to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Definitely. On the whole, what do you think of its sort of humour of the film? Uh, for the most part, it really worked for me. Um, mm. It's weird because I have this odd thing with James Gunn and especially Guardians Volume Two, where it Volume Two might still be my favorite film of his, but it's probably the one where the humour works the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, this one is... I think this is probably his strongest film for me in terms of humour. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find all his, his films quite humorous and funny, but this one, I feel like it does actually help him to be in that R-rating sort of genre. Um, it does, yeah. I think it just allows him a bit more physical comedy rather than just, you know, people say wacky things to each other <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of comedy. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think this movie... It balances it very well as well. I think the fact that the movie can go from quite broad and cynical and out there humour to a very dark and kind of I almost almost like traumatic like death of like Rick Flag for example, mm-hmm. um, and I can literally go from ten minutes of wacky fun and a peacemaker having jokes with King Shark to 
Peacemaker is going to kill one of the leaders <laughs> uh, is, you know, I think that's kind of the James Gunn miracle of like mm. his kind of, the way he just, I don't know how he even does it really. I never really understand how to balance tone in that way. Um, no, yeah, it, it's quite remarkable. And I feel like generally the comedy is really well blended. There's not a single moment where I thought, I said it was jarring, is that? Yeah, it, there, it's to be fair, I don't think, I don't think in this movie there's any sort of like bathos kind of breaking the tension sort of jokes really. No, there isn't. It, it mostly works really well and it's really blended in like the scene where Bloodsport and Peacemaker take out the camp mm-hmm, yeah. and then just be revealed oh these these were freedom fighters <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, <laughs> and the the scene with, where they joke about Milton oh, not joke but they talk about Milton mm-hmm, yeah um, yeah I just feel like it's, it's, yeah, it's blended in really well um, through certain characters obviously carry natural comedy like and mm-hmm. John Cena does a lot of his lines are meant to be sort of ironic humour. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I think, again, that sort of James Gunn miracle of balancing tone is probably best present in Polka Dot Man. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he, he has the comedy of, you know, everywhere he looks, he sees of what he sees. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you have sort of like this grim, dark tragedy of the fact he has to run off into the forest to throw up. Mm-hmm. And sort of the gruesome <laughs> nature of what happens if he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I love that scene so much. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the because when you don't, when the tone isn't getting handled well between comedy and darkness, you really feel it in other mm. movies potentially. Um, and again, James Gunn, as much as I praise him for it, I do think there are some moments in the Guardians movie, for example, where I think I'm not sure if that joke is. As, necessary at this moment maybe um mm. but again he's better he's way better at uh, way better than at it than most and i think this film at least i don't i would not sure yet if this is my favorite film of his yet mm-hmm. i still have a shot spot for volume two but yeah i think this is his strongest film in terms of comedy uh for sure um and tonal balancing um and yeah i just I think also like the idea that this movie doesn't really pretend like these pretend anything because I think Harley Quinn being a character who's not really with the squad that much until the very very end um, I quite enjoy the fact that she calls him Milton at the very mm. end uh, Bloodsport because I they are I, they are definitely friends they're definitely being through an experience um, but I think it would have been dishonest of the movie to be like Harley Quinn's their family now <laughs> mm. and we've seen that before in the first Suicide Squad, where Diablo's like, I lost my family, I'm not going to lose another one, and now I'm just looking at it like, uh, are you a family? You've, are you? You've known each other for eight hours, maybe. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, it's, yeah, I think sometimes that sort of family aspect, and oh, this person's replaced this person, can be a bit dishonest, and mm-hmm. I think this film was never dishonest about those sorts of, those sorts of things. Um, but at the same time, very sincere film. And even though I saw it coming a mile away, like I knew it was going to happen from the get-go, uh, when we see that scene with uh, Bloodsport and his daughter, I knew for a fact we were going to get some sort of his daughter sees him and goes, yeah, that's my dad. Like I knew that, I knew that was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. And it happens, and I was like, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> like It's just nice to have those sort of moments. Mm. Um, and it, it works, I think. Um, mm. Yeah. Like through through all his films, there's definitely a, a parent child thing going on. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but... I'm, I'm always a sucker for that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like this one is the one where it's... It just feels like it runs throughout every aspect of the film, like the fibre of the film. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of characters whose parents are mentioned. I think, In fact, I think probably... Harley Quinn's probably the only one whose parents aren't mentioned. Yeah, I think so. And maybe Rick yeah. Flag as well, because obviously Poker Dot Man, Bloodsport's father's mentioned, Peacemaker's father's mentioned, Ratcatcher's mm. father's mentioned, and even King Shark's sort of ancestors <laughs> mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, it, it works really well. And as we were saying sort of a minute ago, was you, and I, I wrote in my review, you definitely feel like Bloodsport is is seeing Ratcatcher or seeing part of his daughter in Ratcatcher and that's why he wants to save her. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, yeah. the more, more I think about it, I definitely think that works both ways. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely feel like you get a sense of Ratcatcher sees her father in Bloodsport. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, definitely. And you, you, again, you feel like at the end when she protects him with the rats. Mm-hmm. Um, but, when she has the flashback and I think that something that works really well and that's something that James Gunn's absolutely nailed <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and it's mm. it's something that just, just can't help it just naturally makes the film endearing despite mm. all the gore and what's going on around it it yeah. feels really personal yeah yeah I don't think there's any I don't think James Gunn has made a film that I've seen of his at least yet mm. why I think to myself that he's just doing it for the the fun of it it always mm. feels like he's having a lot of fun but he's doing it for some sort of reason and I don't want to get too like into his psyche or whatever but like mm. I do think there is I do think his life might parallel a lot of these sort of things in, in these movies um, mm, like if not, I, I know a lot of he's spoken a lot about his relationship with his dad I think his dad passed away just before they mm-hmm. filmed this mm-hmm. yeah or during filming yeah um, so yeah it's you can definitely feel that. And I think there's definitely a parallel that can be made with the way that James Gunn has done these comic book films and people like Richard Donner and Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. And the, they're definitely doing it because they love it and they enjoy oh, yeah. doing it. But there's also that level of being sincere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there being, a, there being such a strong story there and mm-hmm. it having genuine meaning and... Yeah, and it sort of sums it up in that that line of dialogue from Taika Waititi, where it's, you know, the, the way it's delivered as well, it's like the raps are the lowest to the low. If they have meaning, <laughs> then we all do. Or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's perfection. It's chef's kiss right there. <laughs> that is what it's about. That's why, what, what, why, is, why I watch these films for that moment. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely, yeah. absolutely perfectly nails it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I just think it's yeah. I think this film across the board is weirdly sincere, um, mm. and I think I think the moment I realized this film was going to be was heading in the direction at least of a a James Gunn kind of surprise you with an, kind of an emotional punch was when I kind of noticed that the the people in the office were kind of turning against Amanda Waller, mm. and like I was like, oh, I think they're about to have an arc even with them, um, and I think they're kind of planting those ideas. And again, it's a weird thing where it's it, they do, they have an arc and they do kind of go against their Amanda Waller kind of leader and kind of you know parallel the Suicide Squad with what they're doing, um, but at the same time 
when that happens, as cathartic as it is and kind of somewhat emotional, uh, the character that hits Amanda Wall in the head, it like goes off on a spree, saying a lot of swear words, <laughs> um, and it's just like this weird kind of balance between the two things. And I think, I think as well, the, I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the most James Gunn kind of he's doing some groundwork here that's going to pay off later. But right now. Two characters are swearing at each other, and it's when Bloodsport meets his daughter in prison. Mm-hmm. It's like he's doing the groundwork, and it's going to come back later. But he is—they're swearing at each other. <laughs> That's really angry at each other, um, and it just works really, really well. Um, yeah. Do you, how how do you feel about? I guess the future of the Suicide Squad, and do you want to see James Gunn do more of these films, or do you want it to be kind of whoever what whatever director comes can have their own stamp on it from now on. I I would really love to see James Gunn do more of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think the film definitely, from a sort of like a Suicide Squad looking looking like further out at it, it definitely kind of feels like this is. At least from the start, it definitely feels like this is one chapter in the Suicide Squad. Kinda, yeah. It kind of feels like they could be completely different members, but it definitely feels like. Um, this is something that Manda Waller goes through a lot. <laughs> like this kind yeah. of mission where she's sending them off to do something. It definitely feels, it feels like an adventure in that sense, like a, a contained adventure, but you know things like this have happened before and will happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, almost snapshot of this particular, this particular selection of members. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel like if you get get Jim to come back and you do a sequel to this and you get some of the members back mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe you could give Harley a rest <laughs> yeah <laughs> give yeah, her a break give her, yeah give her um, like a two year break something like that <laughs> she can't get recaptured again <laughs> yeah um, but maybe bring bring Peacemaker back onto the squad bring King Shark back on um that that sort of thing. Maybe even maybe even bring um, Ratcatcher back, mm-hmm. and have it be. But then also throw a load of other completely random characters in. Uh, maybe bring Deadshot back. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, and still have just as as as, as good a story. I think though, mm-hmm. the main thing, the main emotional story you can go for with a Suicide Squad film is that sense of ragtag people who think they're meaningless having meaning mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm not sure if you can do that again now yeah I know what you mean it's kind of hard to I just if you make the stories different enough and you maybe you maybe make have have them all have an arc but maybe don't have it be sort of a parental thing if you mm. have individual arcs that are different enough I think you can, can still have that yeah yeah. Um, but I would have I would have complete faith if James Gunn was to say we we do another one in the sequel, mm-hmm. my only yeah. sort of concern <laughs> in that regard, which does tie into maybe the only thing that niggles at me a little bit with this film, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the decision to kill Rick Flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's the thing for me that would perhaps the only thing that would hinder a, a future film, mm-hmm. because I'm conflicted on it because. It's done really well. <laughs> and I feel like I can't argue with it. Because he has yeah. his arc 
and I think the death, the whole death, done really well. Even his final line when he says, "He says a peacemaker and what a joke." Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. perfection. <laughs> yeah, um, and as well, it works really well for peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Like because that's a big thing. This is a guy who is absolutely, absolutely set on achieving peace no matter what. And in the process of doing that, he's had to kill a hero. It looks like. Yeah. I think that's excellent in character work. It's one of the reasons why I'm perhaps becoming a little bit more excited and eager to watch the show we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't help but feel like for, for a Suicide Squad film, you need Rick Flagg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you need you need that one of them that is actually a good person. Like, they're all good people, <laughs> and they prove that in the film. But you need that one character going in and being, mm. yeah, that's a hero. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're meant to be, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I feel like there needs to be someone to steer them. Obviously, they mm-hmm. have Amanda Waller, who's going to tell them yeah. what to do. But it feels like you need someone amongst them to steer them, who's, who's got that moral core. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like you've cut some potential off by killing him here. Yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like I can't complain, because... The film, the film's perfect, isn't that? And it's just a tiny little niggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, to- I totally agree that I can see that the loss of that character is somewhat detrimental to the idea that this team has, uh, I guess, kind of a leader, um, mm. in a sense. I do think, especially going forward, if we want to have more films, it would be nice if the, if, like, the connective kind of tissue between every film was going to be Amanda Waller and Rick Flagg mm. like that sort of that, them two together um, sort of being the kind of opposites even though in the same situation I feel like that could have been very much a very kind of just to let audience know that this is going to be the same universe as different a different take on it um, but I, yeah I thought I mean when it came to that scene where Rick Flagg does die and you have the entire fight up to that point Mm-hmm. I think from the literally from the moment that he takes the card out of the like the memory card thing out of the um, the the place with the starfish, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as soon as soon as he did that, I was like, he's gonna die. Or yes, something. I was there's the same. No way. Yeah, yeah. And as soon like, as he started no winning that fight, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's gonna be some sort of glass nearby. <laughs> <laughs> um, gonna be some sort of glass bottle, maybe. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I totally. And it's still happening, and I thought, personally, like when I when it happened and the scene was happening around it, I thought it's definitely the best thing for this movie, um, mm. at least in my opinion. I just think it was for the arc of Bloodsport, especially becoming the leader. Mm. Um, I think it makes, I just think it makes more sense going into the finale to have no leader, and just it makes more sense to just follow the rules and just go home, um, and then to have that moment where. Bloodsport kind of inspires a little bit of a change in the group. Um, this view pure choice on his own, I think is, I think that's just much stronger than maybe Rick Flagg is still alive and he is injured maybe, maybe that doesn't, yeah, maybe he can't fight or whatever, but maybe he kind of goes, hey, how dare you leave these people behind and all that, and mm. Bloodsport kind of goes, good point, okay, I guess I'll do it. Um, I think that will, I think it's him making choice by himself works. Yeah, I, I do completely agree, and that's why it's in my mind. I can't argue with it because, it, like you said, <laughs> yeah. you described it perfectly. It, it's the best thing for the film. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and in in, in this sort of self-contained story, it's 
it's perfect and it, it works so well it's just my uh, having been spoiled by Marvel I think <laughs> it's just that kind of part of me that thinks what about future films but I th- mm. Mm. I don't think it's something that hinders future films no, I think it's, no, it's, I it's think... an obstacle yeah I think it's a new character that has to take up that spot maybe um, but like I said it, it like, like you said it, it works perfectly for the film Mm-hmm. I, I also just feel bad for Joel Kellerman, the actor. I know, um, that's true. Because I was like, oh, he's finally in a good blockbuster. <laughs> and it's it's a sequel to the other film that didn't work out very well. That must have really hurt him. Because like, that film was getting a lot of buzz before the actual release. Mm-hmm. And then have this film, and he's kind of a main player. And he has got, I would say, a much more iconic outfit now. Mm-hmm. It's a yellow shirt. Much better than his army gear in the last one. Um, so instantly he becomes more of a comic book character in everyone's mind. Um, he stands out a bit more, he's more funny, he's more endearing, he's definitely mm. just all around is better. And then I just, when he died, a part of me came out of the movie and I was like, oh, who would you all kill him in? Like, he's in a good movie and he's got killed by the end. Like, mm. that's so sad for that, that, that guy. Yeah, I, um, I feel the same because I feel like, I don't think he's ever given a bad performance to me. Not yeah, not really. I mean, he's, he's definitely good. sort of been typecast as the gruff action guy, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's unfortunately been typecast as the gruff action guy in films that, like you said, haven't been the success of Suicide of this Suicide Squad. Yeah. So yeah, I do get what you mean. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. It is. I just feel bad for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think for me going forward, I I would like to see more James Gunn Suicide Squad movies, but. I kind of can't help but like the idea of every few years we get like a very much a very very different director's take on it. Like mm. the next one could be very very dark and gritty. The next one could be kind of a return to being colourful, and then just like I could, I just really like like the idea of different directors just taking bottom of the barrel kind of villains and kind of going, here's what I would do with them um, in this concept. And I think yeah, I think. I would kind of enjoy that, but at the mm-hmm. same time, Suicide Squad, I do think it's kind of a perfect match for James Gunn, yeah, oddly enough, because we always say that Guardians Galaxy is a perfect match, for James, perfect match for James Gunn, and I think we've actually found another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's something that allows him to do sort of the more, the more R-rated stuff which he's done in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more horror stuff, I guess, mm. as well. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I love this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know what else to really add. Do you want to... Any other points you want to add onto this? I did mention before recording there was a tweet from Grace Randolph which I wanted to mention. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, I saw this the other day I couldn't really, couldn't really believe what I was seeing. Let me uh, get my Twitter up. And this is from someone who very rarely actually uses Twitter. So why I would choose to look at this I don't know. It's like this particular person. Um, let's have a look. Of course, now you, now you take your time and do it slowly. Uh, let me have a look. I'm sorry, it's taking very long. <laughs> it's alright. Um, so, the um, the tweet that she, she sent out mm-hmm. is... Let me read this. Finally, Harley Quinn is a character admired by many, many people, and to have her call herself a princess if she's groomed by a captor 
and that this abuse is okay if the guy is hot, rich, powerful, etc. is dangerous. And that's my biggest problem with it. Now, I, 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 I accept when people raise concerns like this. And mm. I don't want to... I, I, the last thing I want to do is outright offend someone by saying their interpretation is wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. whole point <laughs> is that she's being groomed by a captor and abused for, for political gain. And the whole point is that she says no. Yeah, the whole point is that she shoots him, literally. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she literally shoots him. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's okay for a movie to... I think it's okay for a movie to like have kind of different arguments, but I think the end point is always usually what the director is actually saying with these characters. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the end point of that little B-plot is that she shoots him <laughs> is kind of the point of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and it, it kind of... Yeah, the, yes, I, I'll be honest, what, what she said is true, that is present in the film, but at no mm-hmm. point does the film say that's okay. Yeah, he's definitely the villain. <laughs> yeah, the film goes out of its way to say that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's one thing, that's one sort of counter-argument I saw online that I, I, I did want to, I did want to, I did want to counter. Yeah, and I think as well with Harley Quinn, it does make sense for that character to at least at first, like, entertain the idea that this mm. guy could be okay. But I think as soon as there's one red flag, as he literally says in the film, the idea that she is so, you know, just not going to have it anymore in her life is mm. the point. <laughs> the actual point. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've, one sort of thing I wanted to ask as well. How are you feeling about the, the Peacemaker show? Oh, I, I'm very excited for it because I... I want to see how he handles a character that's so just wrong, mm. <laughs> um, but it's still entertaining. But his morals are just so out of line. And I wonder if he's going to make a show that's just about making fun out of him or give him an actual arc to the point where he might actually be okay. Um, mm. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think it's something to go either way. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure where that show's going to go, but I'm very excited for it. I just want to. I really want to see whatever John Cena does with this character because mm. he, like you said before, I think he is a perfect casting for this movie. Um, yeah, I hope this, I hope this, I hope we see him a lot more times, honestly, because mm. something interesting about that character in this time period played by that actor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot, there's a lot you can dig into. Definitely, yeah. Um, definitely. Um, it, 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 part of me is slightly concerning that he's, that he's sort of in a small dose in this film mm-hmm. so to have a full share of him I don't know how that might translate translate. Mm-hmm. but I do kind of have faith seeing what James Gunn's done here as well there is sort of grounds to do something do something deep like you say with the subtext and current world status mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if, if they sort of address the fact that you know, in order to do his good things he had to kill somebody that he previously considered to be a hero yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I wonder what they're, they're going to do with it. Because mm-hmm. there was this weird thing with the character where, even though I knew, I didn't know, but I had a feeling where the character would go, um, when they're in that little bar and he is ordering drinks with a rat, mm-hmm. he's genuinely very endearing and kind of mm-hmm. nice. And I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this, he's going to be a nice guy and just have a bit of like a a, a, a moral compass off point, maybe. Um 
but you know the way the character goes is the way the character goes and I think it was well handled and I'm just wondering where they're going to take the character because the possibilities are kind of very very different from each other mm. <laughs> um, yeah I'm very excited for it though yeah yeah same um, is there anything anything else you want to add um, I think as well as the movie being kind of big and kind of never ever messy I want to mention that I found it impressive that the movie had so many different villains. Um, mm. Mm. Like we have very different dicta- uh, different dictators and the thinker, and then finally the starfish, star star. Um, and I think it never felt like we were just hopping between villains, and it didn't really feel messy. It kind of, I think it, they were all well set up um, and very much linked to the actual film like conflict, but. Yeah, I don't really know much else to add to it, aside from it's just very, very good. Um, and I would say so far in James Gunn's uh, superhero career, I would say it's definitely his most James Gunn film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's pure him. Yeah, definitely. Which I deeply, like, I admire that happening because Warner Brothers has had a past with not doing that. And I'm happy that they're changing their mind about these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Any last points for you? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think uh, the film handles pacing and changing villains really well as well. And mm. I love the fact that in this film, where you have this really sincere emotional arc for several characters, you can also go out there and just have a starfish. <laughs> be yeah. that a giant starfish that controls people's minds be the main villain. Yeah. And it's also kind of kind of appropriate that it's a mind control villain when they are kind of being controlled themselves. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as, as well as sort of the the parent child uh, dynamics being perhaps the the underlying subtext that you see more. There is also a lot of like to do with control in here, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you take into account Harley's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's. It's a, it's a film that gives you a lot to think about as well as being a really entertaining blockbuster. Mm, and like you said, yeah. it's it's just good and great to see someone be able to do their own vision with this and be completely unhampered by mm. by whether it be studio intervention or feeling like they have to they have to tone something down. And yeah, I love the idea of it, and I, I love the film itself. Like I feel like a lot yeah. of the podcasts we've said. Well, we weren't keen on this film, but we admire what we were going for. Yeah. <laughs> but this feels like one of the times where I can say, I admire what they were going for, and it was creative vision, and I love the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed the vision that actually happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So, a very positive review from both of us, really. Exactly. Um, I hope you enjoyed it if you're listening. Um, so I wrap it up then today? Yeah, yeah, wrap it up. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, I hope you either enjoy the movie or are going to see the movie because it is very good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you listen this far and you haven't seen the movie yet, then you've probably been spoiled a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never mind, you know. Sometimes it'd be fun and no spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Just to remind you again, we do have an Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast where we do reviews during the week and a podcast during the week, usually on Monday. Um, also got a Twitter account at Cinema Marvel to do the same thing over there uh, podcasts and reviews during the week uh, feel free to like those posts or follow them uh, follow, follow us uh, share us with your friends 
or even give us a review on this podcast server, wherever your service, wherever you're listening on. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.